Hey, this is Dr. Michael Drake, Chancellor at the University of California, Irvine, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and over the web at KUCI.org. I love Anita Radio. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. afternoon, listeners. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming online at KUCI.org. You're listening to Countdown UCI, and I'm your host, Dimitri, and I'm here with the show's co-host, uh, Jack Pan. Jack, say hi. Hello. Uh, so we have a phenomenal show today, and uh, Chief of UCI PD, Paul Hennessey, will be, is on the show, and uh, Chief Hennessey? Dimitri, thanks very much. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to your listeners today. Excellent. Uh, before we continue, I just want to mention that you can find the show's blog uh, in two places. One of them is countdownuci.com, and uh, the other one is uh, my blog on myucirvine.com. And uh, during the interview, you can actually participate in a way, participate live by uh, posting on the show's Facebook page, and I'll see the posts. And uh, if any of the listeners have particular questions or follow-up questions, I will see those and and uh, uh, if I think they're good, I'm, they might uh, get uh, addressed on the air. Uh, so let's start. Uh, can you tell us about what you do and what your job title is? And, and your job title is obvious, but uh, what uh, your daily responsibilities are at the university. Absolutely, Dimitri. As chief of police, we have a responsibility for all the safeties and security here on campus. And, and of course, everybody's aware that campus, we've got 28,000 students, another 12,000 staff and faculty. So we have a small city here of about 40,000 people. Mm -hmm. And it certainly keeps uh, all of us at the police department here busy. Mm -hmm. I've been in the law enforcement field for 36 years, having had the opportunity to uh, work my early years at Newport Beach before uh, having the fortunate opportunity of coming over here and serving as chief here on campus. Um, something I've been curious about is um, what is the relationship between UCIPD and and UCI? Um, it seems to be, and, and, and especially things like student conduct. Um, I know if uh, you get in trouble somehow and, and UCIPD writes you up, uh, that that goes directly to uh, Office of Student Conduct in, in some way. And um, I know I was, able, I was able to email you through your UCI email address. Uh, that, that implies at least some solid connection, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, what, what is the relationship there? Yeah, we're, we're just like a police department uh, for the campus that would be similar to a police department for a city. Mm -hmm. So we actually are a department that works in the administrative and business services of the university, and we report through the university's chain of command up to the chancellor. 
Mm-hmm. And in reference to, we do collaborate uh, heavily with our other departments here on campus. And certainly one of the things that we do is we work in terms of identifying areas and problems, uh, working with our student conduct in terms of, of assisting, uh, especially students who perhaps made a, a poor decision and uh, there may be a citation or something along those lines, but rather than it going to the court and being punitive, many times we work with student conduct mm-hmm. and we send that to them and they, they turn it into an educational opportunity where we can work in terms of helping the student realize their mistake and, and having them learn a lesson without it being uh, punitive. Um, are students, you um, know, are students Uh, there's some punitive aspect to it um, always even through student conduct if if that if a violation gets sent to student conduct uh, do the repercussions through the state and through uh, UCIPD are they diminished in a way or is a student penalized twice somehow in uh, a court of law and then in the court of student conduct so there's two areas. We have uh, discipline that can go through student conduct. Mm -hmm. There's also criminal proceedings that can follow. Mm -hmm. In the majority of circumstances, let me just take an example. Uh, We may run across an individual who is under the age of 21, who may have an alcoholic beverage with them, perhaps may have uh, given indications that they've been drinking. And in that type of circumstance, we may issue what we call an administrative citation, which is sent to student conduct. There's no criminal aspect to it. It does not go to the courts. There's no state record. There's no arrest record. But what it does do is it goes to student conduct. And student conduct will actually then contact the student. They'll have to go through an alcohol education program. Mm -hmm. On completion of that, there's no further actions taken. Now, if the student were to, again, engage in ongoing behavior, that could then up the ante and perhaps could result in more punitive measures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, actually, I, I, I didn't realize this, that, that, that in a way that can be a plus that it goes to student conduct and not somehow on, on your record. Um, if, if there wasn't student conduct and this was, uh, say, um, L.A. County and I was, um, say, I had... Uh, some alcoholic beverage with me, and, and, and I am under 21, and I was cited by a police officer. Um, that would be, that would then go on my record, and, and uh, I would have to go through a criminal proceeding and not, and, and not through an administrative re- review, which is, in a sense, what it ends up being? That's correct. So, uh, again, an example would be uh, one of our students down in Newport Beach, under the age of 21, uh, drinking alcoholic beverage, being caught by the Newport Beach Police Department. Mm-hmm. They would issue a citation for minor possession of alcohol, which would mm-hmm. then go through the Harbor Court, mm-hmm. and there would be a pretty substantial fine that would be associated with that. And while it's not uh, technically an arrest, there would be a record that may follow that if there was another citation would result in even higher fees. Mm-hmm. And there is no opportunity for that educational component that may occur here on campus. Mm-hmm. Now, there are circumstances, and, and uh, we've had instances where students have been involved in criminal behavior. It may be a theft, maybe some other circumstance. That may be a circumstance where they would go through student conduct as well as through the criminal court system. Now, Is, uh, the, criminal then, is, is the criminal punishment diminished? 
punished because they've gone through student conduct? In many circumstances, that's correct. Mm -hmm. So, um, for instance, we've had uh, it, actually kind of two controversial events, and they've, they've made the news, and, and I know that there are people on both sides of the issue, and one of those was the disruption of the Ambassador Warren event. Mm -hmm. And in that particular circumstance, there were uh, some students that had disrupted that particular event. Uh, they were taken into custody by the police department at the time. They were cited and released. Uh, that issue went to student conduct. Anytime the police department is actually involved in doing a hands-on arrest, we do submit those, those cases for consideration to the DA's office. The DA's office may file criminal charges. In most circumstances, the DA will take into consideration what kind of student conduct may have occurred and will actually allow the student conduct process. So if there's community service involved, that community service could count for any of the uh, potential discipline issues that may come out of the court, and they will allow that to apply. Mm -hmm. um, the fuzziness, in, in, in my mind, is, is the difference between... Um, is, is the presumption of innocence. And um, I think it gets lost in this uh, student conduct slash UCIPD uh, criminal process mesh. Um, for, I, I, I talked about this a couple of months ago on the show and, and my problem with student conduct that um, it's really... It, it, it's in no way the same as uh, it, it, it gives none of the privileges to the accused as any kind of criminal court. I mean, it has everything from the fact that the so-called um, uh, if if a student chooses to appeal their their student conduct decision, it, it goes to this mock court, which uh, is comprised of two administrators, three students, and um, I, I have. Uh, tons of problems with that, uh, uh, ranging from the fact that, that this group is trained by uh, a representative of student conduct to the fact that um, uh, they, well, that's, I mean, that's really one of the biggest issues. Uh, I, I, I don't want to overlook that and, 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 and make it seem minor. There, there's a point at which there, this mock jury is, is trained by, the, in a sense, the prosecution on, on the student conduct side. Um, but my, my point here is that if, say, it's a case of alleged sexual violence and that goes to a, um, I'm sure that uh, UCIPD would not disregard that and, and would not let just student conduct deal with it. Uh, however, if, uh, if, the, if the DA chooses not to press any kind of press charges and, and chooses to, and, and finds that there's not sufficient evidence in the case, student conduct will still go on with that and will, uh, likely, if there's uh, an accusation, will likely find the accused student guilty. Um, do you have any kind of comment on this situation? Well, uh, let me at, uh, at least address the student conduct procedure. Uh, uh, not being directly involved, that's, that's uh, to a certain degree outside of my purview. Mm -hmm. But let me uh, address, and I think you bring up a good point, Dimitri, and that has to do with issues that may have uh, sexual assault or, or another issue. There are two standards of proof that exist. So in the court system, it requires proof beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a very high standard to reach, and then it has to be found by a jury of your peers, in essence, and that has to be a unanimous uh, verdict from all 12 jurors. 
However, in the student conduct process, it only requires a preponderance of the evidence. Right. Now, there is a significant difference in the level of discipline that can be initiated between a court process and a student conduct process. Mm -hmm. And a student conduct process is predominantly uh, geared around looking out for the best interests of the university and the students and uh, serving as a, number one, an educator for students, but also serving in a role to where they're protecting other students and the university from potential issues or problems that may be involved in a conduct case. No matter what, it, it often ends in expulsion of the student, which I think has dire consequences for their future in a way that can possibly even be um, greater than a, um, some of the repercussions from a, from a criminal case. Sure, and one of the things that, um, that, I, that I'm uh, well aware of, and part of this is because the university, uh, UCI, has been directly involved in a system-wide grant that uh, is addressing violence prevention. Mm -hmm. And uh, that grant is specifically designed to help the university deal with cases of sexual assault, domestic, dating violence, and stalking. And uh, there were a number of minimum requirements of that grant. Part of the grant included law enforcement training so that our officers, all of our officers, received advanced training having to do with responding to and investigating those incidents. Part of the minimum requirements was also for student conduct to have additional training, for their hearing boards to learn about and know better in terms of addressing these, recognizing that the potential repercussions could be significant on an individual in which the allegations may be that they've engaged in that kind of behavior. So uh, while I understand, uh, I understand the, your perspective in terms of, gee, who it is that, that's looking at this, understand that the university takes it very, very seriously and knows that the repercussions can be significant and, and do look at these cases with, with a great deal of forethought and preparation and investigation. Uh, being someone who's, who's been on, on a panel that, that, uh, of, of this jury of, of administrative review panel, student conduct panel, um, I can say that, that the foresight and, and, and the great deal of review just isn't there, and, and, and I find a lot of the people that um, are in charge of this process to really not take it as seriously as, as they should, and uh, any of the kind of training that we're talking about seems to not go towards uh, uh, maintaining the integrity of this process, but rather goes to um, really in... in I would go as far as saying in, in, in any way possible biasing this panel towards the guilt of the accused. And my uh, so not to belabor this point, but it just seems like at times there can be uh, – the problem can be that uh, no matter what, they're going to get you. <laughs> uh, that, that even if there's not enough that, – that although the, the system is really great in, in a lot of – minor cases, say um, alcohol possession, where it doesn't go on, on my record, it doesn't, I don't see anything other than an educational experience out of it, for example, but uh, in, in cases that, that are more substantial, that, that really should require a higher standard of proof and should require um, more, um, more evidence and, and uh, well, et cetera, you have uh, 
UCIPD and the district attorney that says that's just not there, but no matter what, the student conduct goes, sorry, you're expelled, and, and now um, what you've been working for for, for maybe four years is uh, going to be flushed down the toilet. Yeah, I, again, it, this is really not an area where I've got a great deal of expertise. We, we, we don't get uh, uh, directly involved in terms of the hearing of mm -hmm. the student conduct cases and, and the appeal process, so I, I, will, I will say uh, that I'm not the one who's most knowledgeable about that. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that, at least from the perspective of the police department, we do have a very good working relationship with student conduct, and, and the advantage of that, much like what we talked about before, is that it does give us the opportunity to provide an educational moment without it being disciplined in many cases where outside of the university itself, the campus itself, any actions that a police department would take would be punitive. Mm -hmm. So I, I, there are, I, I think that there are definite benefits in terms of having the opportunity for a student conduct process and for helping students who you know, as they go through life, especially in early age, they may not be make the best decisions, mm -hmm. and it's an opportunity to, to educate them without necessarily being punitive. Interesting point. If, uh, I, if I'm a student and, and, and I say, no, I, I don't want my any of my records sent to student conduct because I, I've, I've racked up too much with them and, and I would get expelled and, and I just want to take the, the fine, et cetera, from um, Irvine PD and for UCIPD district attorney, et cetera. Can they do that? Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. If, we, if, we, if a student said, you know what, I really don't want to have this go to student conduct, please go ahead and feel free to write me a citation. I'd rather just pay a mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. Our officers would do that in most circumstances. I mean, obviously, it's going to depend upon the circumstance that the officers find themselves. And, but, mm -hmm. you know, our, our officers, they understand the working on a campus environment, working with young people. I mean, that's predominantly our clientele. And so we do want to work with and recognize some of the needs of our students and respond to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's talk about some of the crimes you see often, and uh, what, what are those? What's the number one thing you write a citation for, or the number one violation you see? Well, uh, certainly uh, some of the issues that we see, uh, uh, traffic is an issue here on campus. Everybody is aware of that. Uh, part of what we, we do is we work on, uh, we recognize transportation is an issue, especially having to do with the mix of bicycles, skateboards, pedestrians on campus. Uh, in the past couple of years, we actually uh, took a real hard look at the skateboard regulations because skateboarding was not allowed anywhere on campus. And to us, that just didn't make sense because you could skateboard in the city of Newport, you could skateboard in the city of Irvine, you could skirt the campus and get back to and, and get to class. And certainly with the residential areas that are expanding and moving outwards in the campus grounds, we, we looked at this and said, you know, this, th we need to revise this and provide the opportunity for people to use skateboards as a mode of transportation. Mm -hmm. And so with the exception of Aldridge Park and the Ring Mall, Skateboards are now allowed on campus. Uh, we do restrict uh, bicycles in those areas, and that's really because we just have so much pedestrian traffic that it does create a risky environment for skateboards and bicycles on the Ring Mall or in the Aldrich Park area. But we've made specific er efforts with parking and transportation to expand the bicycle paths on campus to provide greater opportunity for people to use bicycles to get around, and we're continuing to work on trying to improve the bicycle circuit circulation pass. We certainly had a fun discussion with this uh, with Ron Fleming last um, two weeks ago, and <laughs> um, I have my own opinions about that. But um, other than say citations or violations for skating in the wrong area, um, is there any more um, onerous? 
Yeah, yeah, let me uh, me talk a little bit about it. Again, one of the things that perhaps is appropriate to point out is is much like the, uh, the student conduct process, we actually will use administrative citations for people who may be, uh, may commit a violation on a bicycle or a skateboard. And that particular violation, all the student has to do is go through an, an online educational process and there's no fee or follow-up process. Mm-hmm. If they were to get a second or subsequent, there is a small fine, but it is probably a quarter of what the fine would be if it went through the court system. Mm -hmm. So, again, one of those things where we try to do more education, at least certainly with a first offense, rather than it being disciplinary. In terms of crimes, probably the thing that we deal with most is a theft of personal property. So this is uh, cell phones, laptops, bicycles. And one of the things that I would uh, encourage all of individuals on campuses. Number one, keep your personal possessions with you. Don't leave them there. If you're in the library, don't go to the stacks where you leave your lap lap book there. Uh, We've had too many circumstances where we do have individuals who who are looking to steal things on campus, and it'll just take a moment, and the next thing you know, your personal property will be lost. With bicycles, we have had a rash of bicycle thefts. In fact, uh, we've worked on a program over the last year where we use GPS devices in what we call bait bikes and actually have posted them in areas of the campus where we've had a series of bike thefts. Using those GPS devices, we've actually been able to track bike theft suspects and uh, catch up to them and arrest them. And we've had a number of arrests over the last two years, uh, over 13 arrests just for bike theft itself. So this is a serious issue on campus. It's not a major crime that somebody would think of, but it really is one of those pesty, annoying type of crimes for Mm -hmm. our students. We certainly would encourage our students to use the strong uh, U-bolt type lock when they lock their bicycles because that's the most difficult type of lock to defeat. Uh, We're very fortunate that we do not have uh, much in the way of violent crime here on campus. Uh, We really kind of follow the city of Irvine being one of the, as indicated, one of the safest cities here. So from that standpoint, we are fortunate. Uh, Although we do have instances of of crime, we've had uh, a couple of uh, serious crimes over the last two years that really have involved domestic violence. So one of the things that we try to do is we we encourage people to be aware of what's going on if they have uh, friends or people that they know that uh, may be having trouble or difficulties in their lives, that there's all sorts of resources here on campus that they could go to to seek assistance, to seek advice, to seek methods in terms of how perhaps to help individuals. And certainly one of the things that we try and do here on campus is is provide uh, behavior management uh, responses. And this is where we have a consultation team on campus. Uh, That consultation team will become involved if we have instances where we have people that are going through mental or emotional challenges in life. And part of our duties is to provide those resources to help those students who may be going through difficulties. Mm-hmm. And the, the best thing that we can do is, is if somebody's aware that a friend, uh, a relative, a uh, roommate is perhaps going through these troubles, to contact a resident assistant, to contact a faculty member, mm-hmm. to contact the counseling center. There is a significant amount of information on the website, especially with the counseling center in terms of how to deal with students or friends that may be in trouble and how to assist in terms of doing that. And that's a really important role that that we serve in collaboration with the counseling center and student affairs here on campus. Um, Last uh, thing I'd like you to comment on is um, whether 
UCIPD was involved in the recent SWAT training on campus, uh, I think maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, was that a UC? Was that a City of Irvine police uh, training, and or was that a UCIPD training? So that was it. Was actually a regional training. Uh, we regularly train with our law enforcement partners and our Orange County Fire Authority partners, and we did a full training day in September. Mm-hmm. We had uh, three. Uh, before def- we go on, um, I actually want to read a description of this of of this training that I, I found online that I thought was at least interesting. It's, it's a little long, but but it might focus our discussion, and I. I know you have to go very soon, but I'll, I'll try to read it quickly, and then we'll try to have a focused discussion afterwards. Sure. Um, this is what it says. I'm on campus today, and I'm currently witnessing a protest simulation complete with UC Ir- Irvine SWAT teams, police, fake protesters, and the fire department. It looks like a really strange farce. They are protesting outside of Gateway Commons in a closed-off area around the library. The protesters are simulating what, what protesters act like, confronting officers yelling and running around buildings with picket signs and megaphones. There are also photographers and cameramen capturing the event. Uh, there were a lot of SWAT on campus, and I thought they had a real emergency going on. It seems like it had been a, going on for over an hour. The protesters even had fake speeches and chants. A sign reads, Police Training, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. People are are changing. Uh, People are chanting, join us for peace. We want something. Uh, There's a camera crew capturing this event from different angles. And again, this is a fake camera crew. Um, Orange County people uh, with picket signs saying, no Peter, and uh, blocking the Gateway Center. Police in in, uh, SWAT gear are confronting protesters who are booing. Uh, they're rehearsing to act uh, intimidating, practicing how to surround the building and the perimeter. This is a protest. Be loud, is what the, is what the fake protesters are saying. Um, later, this description goes on to how um, there's a simulation of protesters locking themselves up in, inside of Gateway Commons and throwing things at the police. Um, and um, my question is, is this a real thing that that UCIPD really needs to be trained for, how how to deal with things that uh, UCI will probably never see. And, um, yeah. uh. Yeah, let me address that, uh, Dimitri. Frankly, that description is accurate. Uh, We did, in fact, do training, and and we set it up as a a simulation. So uh, one of the key aspects is that as uh, as a law enforcement here on campus, we really strive to make sure that we're prepared for any circumstance. Uh, we do training with our officers for an active shooter type response. Again, well, we may say, gosh, that may never happen here. We certainly wouldn't ever want to happen that for that to happen here, but we still have to be prepared for it. So while that was one segment of the training, we also did training where we had uh, individuals in two different other areas of the campus in which they had knives and were assaulting uh, campus members. And so part of what we need to do is we need to work with our uh, with our partners in law enforcement or the Irvine Police Department. We have, we're a small department on campus. We only have a limited amount of resources that we can respond. If we were to have a major incident, we need to coordinate. And part of that coordinate includes common practices, communication techniques, how we work with Orange County Fire Authority. If somebody were involved in a major incident, be it a protest where we had something going on, and we actually did have an incident uh, a little less than two Two years ago in which we had uh, Aldrich Hall uh, surrounded with protesters. We had individuals who were actually blocking the exits, and it was creating a great deal of concern for many of the administration that was working in that building. So while we would hope that we would never be facing something like this, 
as a police department, it's, it's important that we train, be prepared, and that we can work with our, our emergency response partners to respond to any incident that may happen. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Uh, with this, we're out of time. Thank you so much for coming on. Dimitri, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Uh, so I just want to let listeners know that this was Countdown UCI, and uh, the guest today was uh, Chief of UCI PD, Paul Hennessey, and um, you can find my show blog on countdownuci.com and myucirvine.com, and uh, stay tuned for Our Digital Future with SIPA.